Hi, welcome to another episode of Journey with Jess. I'm your host, Jessica Monge, and today we interviewed Maria Alparoa. I met Maria on the online space about three years ago, literally the start of the pandemic, because she was starting her nonprofit, Que Paso Latinx, that focused around mental health and breaking the stigma around it. She has a very beautiful story as to why she started her nonprofit, and she's done a lot of amazing work, and we're also going to be discussing her mental health and how she grew up in a certain environment. Let's continue to break the stigma of mental health and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening to Journey with the Jess. Without any further ado, this is Maria Alvaro. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. We're going to be talking about mental health, obviously, and I feel like your nonprofit tells your story really well. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your nonprofit? Yes. So again, my name is Maria Alfaro, and I am the founder and CEO of Que Paso Latinx, which is a 501c3 nonprofit that encourages the Latinx community to put mental health first, one paso, one step at a time. And so we do this through our mission, right? So our mission is to destigmatize mental health by empowering and educating our community through healing, conversations, and our culture. For Nuestra Cultura. Awesome, awesome. And how long have you been running the nonprofit? So in May, we made three years. So Yay. we launched right at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Exciting. And tell us a little bit about like what inspired you to create um, Que Paso Latinx. So there are a few things. So one I would say is my experiences, both my own lived experiences with my mental health, but more so my mom's mental condition. So she manages bipolar disorder and she has since she was a young girl, since she was the age of 10. And so growing up, my grandmother, her mother, was able to get her the clinical services and medication that she needed to manage her bipolar disorder. But the support in terms of understanding her condition was not there. So when I mean support, it's that knowledge, that awareness, that understanding that when someone is struggling and going through something mentally, that family support, right? And not that they didn't want to, but just that, again, that lack of awareness due to stigma, due to us not talking about it within our culture, right? And so it was her condition that really sparked my passion to further educate myself on all things mental health. So it goes back to when I was in high school, I was about 15, 16, and like me as a teenager figuring out my place in the world, right? And then I start to become curious around what was going on with my mom. So my childhood was super unstable. And so this was mainly a part of my mom going into the hospital, into the psych hospital. She would take her medications, right? And then there were just times where due to the inability to be able to manage the condition, whether it be that lack of family support, right? Lack of feeling, you know, I'm not in this alone, you know, or it's not just me. She would say, you know, I don't need to take my medications. You know, I'm good. So then that caused her mood to become unstable, right? And that would lead her to spiral into a manic episode. And then you know, the family just didn't know what to do and it had a huge toll on us all. As a little girl, I remember like bits and pieces of it, but more so it was my grandmother who dealt with this, my dad who dealt with this, and my tias who helped raise us along with my grandmother and my father because of my mom's condition. 
And so growing up, this was that instability was when my mom would go into the psych hospital, right? As a result of one of these manic episodes, she would then, you know, have to be admitted. And then my sisters and I, because my dad worked to support us, we would live with either one of my tias or my grandmother. And so that was that instability that came as a result of her managing her condition, right? The best she could with what the family knew best at the time, right? My family. It was in high school that I was like, wait a minute. So mommy, you know, my, my grandmother and then my dad, they would tell me and my sister. So I'm the oldest of, mm-hmm. of two siblings. So that's a whole other battle, right? Being the first, <laughs> yeah. first, first gen <laughs> eldest daughter. Um, they would tell us, oh, mommy is saying Sedma. And, you know, growing up as a little girl that it was like, okay, mommy's sick. That's why she was in the hospital. But then, that, like I said, at that age, it was when I became curious. I was like, wait a minute. You're telling me that mommy is saying Sedma, but I don't see anything physically wrong with her, right? Mm. And, you know? Right. So then I started to just ask questions, poke around, you know, like try to like probe more out of my grandma, my dad. They did the best with what they knew and what they could right and like how to explain that to me in the best way that they knew how you know probably more so like my dad or my grandmother who had been with my mom on this journey since she was a little girl yeah was more familiar right but still then you know I started to become curious and thank god for this program that was in my high school it was a scientific research program and they allowed me to learn more about mental health Mm. and this was through um the, through the program outside of doing like science experiments and stuff we were able to select a topic of choice and over the last three years of high school the teacher helped us to really like dive deep into that topic and for me that was mental health mental conditions psychology right digging deep into college level research articles mm. and really learning about what these things were so for me it just so happened that's when I started to become curious and I selected those types of articles and the teacher helped me with through that and even till this day um recently I went back to speak at my high school in that program oh, wow nice yeah yeah and so I, I spoke about you know this and the impact it's had on my life and the program right but also that I still have the binder because the teacher mm. made us keep a binder over the three years that we sort of just kept in his classroom. And so I still have that green binder until this day. Oh, um, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. So, um, you know, I always keep that with me. But I have those articles and I have like, you know, like the notes that I took on them. And it's just, you know, now looking back and like, it's just beautiful to see, you know, like how I've evolved and how much I've learned from them. Yeah, that was the beginning of your journey, right? Basically. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot of misconceptions with bipolar disorder. Can you explain to the best of your ability what it is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I just wanted to finish up my story and then I'll of get course. into the. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That was high school, right? And so it was through that program that a passion for mental health was born from there because I was able to learn. So those last three years of high school, I was able to learn like the basics of like what mental health 101 was. And for me, that was an absolute game changer. It really helped me see my mom in a different light Mm -hmm. because that knowledge, that education that I had learned, it was like, oh my gosh, 
you know, it's like the more you know, right? The more yeah. you know, <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was like, oh my gosh, you know, these behaviors, everything that my mom's been going through, it's because of her condition. It's something that's out of her control. And she's simply just trying to manage, like trying to live through her life, right? Yeah. And so at that point, moment i was able to release a lot of resentment that i held mm. towards her just out of a lack of understanding yeah you know so when i decided what i wanted to study in college i said i want to learn more i want to educate myself further on all things the mind right so i ended up um, attaining a bachelor's in behavioral sciences and then after that i was like do i want to like what do i want to do do i want to continue down the clinical route in terms of like becoming a mental health counselor or psychologist or a therapist or do I want to do something else at the time I had not yet embarked on my personal mental health journey healing journey right from everything I had gone through so then I'm also super passionate about leadership because I feel like change starts from the top and so I ended up pursuing a um, master's in organizational leadership what I've used along with my lived experience and also my work experience in the healthcare field I've used all of this to blend what I do now and um, everything that we do with Kepatola and I that's amazing it ended up helping a lot right that degree yeah definitely definitely nice. and I and I didn't know it at the time like I, I I knew that I just wanted to learn more right but yeah I, I didn't know that I was you know like this is what, yeah. what would come from that where did you get your behavioral science degree? I got it from Mercy College. Oh, nice. Did you so, feel like the program was good? Yeah. One of my battles right at the time when selecting a college was like, I had, I always worked since I was like 16 through, through another program in my high school. I had gotten a job, an mm -hmm. office job. So I started when I was 16. And then as I transitioned into like 17, where you have like less classes in school, I started to be able to work more hours. And mm -hmm. then by the time I was 18, I was able to work full time. So it was like, so I want to continue working full time, right, which I wanted to do at the time. And then also, how am I going to manage full time school? Yeah. So it was one of the best programs in my area that offered the degree I wanted, and then also the flexibility around working a full time job. Oh, that's amazing. I guess back to the question of what is bipolar in layman's terms? Bipolar disorder is simply an instability in one's mood, mm. where Someone can go through periods of super high highs, which is what I meant when I referenced the manic episodes that my mom would go through. Mm -hmm. So she would go through periods where, you know, when she was off her medication and like on these super high highs where she wouldn't sleep, right? Her energy would just be super high. Her mind was like racing. She felt like she was on top of the world. Like she said she wanted to like go back to school and like do all this stuff and just like, Things that obviously, you know, if she put her mind to, she can attain. Yeah. But they were just, you know, all these things at once. Yeah. Right. So then the opposite of that are the low lows, which is like deep depression, sleeping with just all the time. Right. I'm speaking about this based on my experiences with my mom and what mm -hmm. I've seen. And like, as we've learned about her journey through her eyes, but then also working alongside her clinical team so her doctors her therapists her psychiatrists really those high highs and then the low lows and then the medications right for those who choose to take medications to help just help stabilize that and balance you out 
is bipolar and bipolar depression like i'm assuming they're two different things right yeah yeah, yeah. do you know what the difference is there's bipolar one and bipolar two mm-hmm. um and so i don't want to speak too much about the clinical because i'm you know I'm, I'm more on like the educational side but not in terms of diagnosis all right no problem um but thank you i appreciate it so much because i feel like that term was just like everything else we've learned in the mental health realm is like just gets thrown around like OCD or ADHD and like bipolar is thrown around a lot just for like mood swings and stuff. And they don't understand how extreme it could be and how serious it is. The weather, the we- all the time, people, <laughs> oh, even people close so to true. me. Like, yeah. Oh, it's so bipolar. The weather's been so bipolar lately. Like, yeah. How do you feel about those comments and stuff? I feel very deeply about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's a lot of what we do at Kepasola NX is it's those small things. Like the day-to-day thing is what we truly believe that will help us shift the narrative and change the culture. One time in my life, I probably did say like, oh, the weather's bipolar or, you know, like even the word retarded, right? Like mm, words yeah. like that. It's those little things that sometimes we as kids, right? We pick up in school. We don't know any better. It's just a part of, unfortunately, right? It's been a part of, society and like in certain areas right certain cultures but like i said earlier the more we know so that's that's what we do at kepasolo next is really try to chip away at those small day-to-day things that you know one paso at a time right one step at a time one word at a time we're able to slowly but surely break that mental health stigma that's awesome i love the work that you do so let's talk about you and how was your mental health growing up um in that environment interesting question <laughs> um so because typically i'm like always talking about you know the qpl founding story and so like yeah. i love when i'm asked about like my own journey right because that's just something else on its own yeah <laughs> like i said i am first gen eldest daughter Salvadoran americana <laughs> southeast <laughs> um and for me i think that two things impacted my mental health growing up it was one, as I mentioned, my mom and her condition, right? But then also being the eldest daughter of an immigrant father. So these two things impacted me. And not only this, but my dad growing up due to his own coping mechanisms, right? He also battled with alcoholism mm. and that was just how he coped. So he came to the U.S. fleeing the civil war that was happening in El Salvador in like the late 70s, early 80s, around that time. So coming here, you know, leaving the known for the unknown here in the States, I know that took a toll on him, right? I, I can't even imagine. I can't, you know, yeah. I, I myself, right? Thinking about that. So that was just how he managed and dealt with being here alongside his brothers and parents living over there. How that manifested in my life was him drinking and then also dealing with my mom and her condition. And to me, this was my normal, right? So for me, it was just like, that's just what it was. So it wasn't until, like I said, that time period in my life, which was like 15, 16, that I started to realize like, oh, okay, these are things that I have to process. I have to work through. Like these things are happening to me. Folks who I grew up with, you know, around me as well. And I'm sure, you know, to those listening out there, I know that a lot of our stories are the same. Growing up, it was, like I said, the eldest daughter. It was tough because not just as the eldest daughter, but also like my mom um, going through what she was going through and, and managing her condition. 
a lot of things fall on my shoulder, right? Right. So like until this day, my dad's secretary, right? Like he <laughs> found his translator, his secretary, his bookkeeper, everything. Yeah. Um, and it was heavy, you know, growing up. And again, I didn't realize it growing up. Yeah. So all of these things, right? So dealing with what I dealt with my mom, my dad, um, figuring out my own identity right like who who am i right like these things have happened to me but like who am i it wasn't until probably my early 20s that it actually like all hit me and so when i was probably 18 to like early 20s like 22 23 that time period in my life i was in a deep deep depression mm. but i didn't know it until i was like probably like 21 22 and then it was a few years after that, that I started going to therapy. But throughout that time, I just had no idea. Like I said, so I was going to school full time, going to work full time. And the days when I wasn't going to school after work, I would just come home and crash, like fall asleep. Right. Like literally clock out at like five o'clock, drive home 530 and just fall asleep. Like wow. not cook, not eat, just, and then sleep till the, you know, maybe wake up here or there, like sleep till the next day. That was what I was battling, right? Secretly, I would say, because I didn't know it was a thing. So I didn't know how to manage it or address it, right? Not yeah. until we're aware of those things, are we able to actually take steps towards managing and becoming bigger than, than what those things are to us, right? So it was 18, right, that I fell into that deep depression. And then it was a few years later, that I think I started to like realize like oh my gosh like there's something wrong with me like this doesn't feel right this is not life right like I remember being so depressed like 21 right when like everyone's like yeah so I'm 21 I'm drinking this and that blah blah yeah. like that wasn't me mm. I didn't want to be that way unfortunately like it just it, it was that way and so again like I think it was around that age it was like 21 22 when it was like oh wait like everyone around me is like having fun like this is th we're 21 like this is what yes. we're supposed to be doing and I just couldn't do that and not because I didn't want to or like I didn't want to enjoy or celebrate but I just couldn't and I didn't know why mm. I just didn't know why and then it wasn't it was maybe like a year or two after that that I was like wait a minute I'm going through something like this right. is not okay but like throughout these years it's I was working on my bachelor's. So I was going to work full-time, going to school full-time, managing life all day-to-day -day relationships, right? Friends, all of that. It wasn't until I remember, it was like probably like 22, 23 around that age when I was like, oh my gosh. It, it had gotten to the point where I would start calling out from work. And then it didn't help too that I worked in a toxic work environment mm. <laughs> on top of everything. Yeah. Else. So I started calling out from work. And then it led to me actually being um, going on a short term disability period within those years. It, it happened for like a few years, like in different increments, like six weeks at a time. And throughout this time is when I started going to therapy. Mm. And so it was like when I started calling out of work and I was just like, oh, my gosh, like this is going to affect my day to day. Right. If I start calling out of work and lose my job. Yeah. So. I remember being home one day, I had called out and it was like two o'clock in the afternoon, like sunny outside. And I'm like in bed, curtains closed, like in the dark. And I was like, wait, like, I can't do this. Like, I can't, I can't. 
Like I have to live. I have to do something. That's when I started looking for a therapist. And, you know, that process took some time, as you know, right? Yeah. And um, thank God I was able to connect not too long after that with a Latino therapist who, surprisingly enough, thank God, God knew I, I needed it at the time. I was a, I clicked with. Nice. In the very first consultation, like I clicked with, I sat on her couch. Um, this was before the pandemic, right? When the thing, right. whenever you know, like no <laughs> virtual in person. Therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from there on, it was, I mean, magic because that that saved my life. Uh, because I I j- was in this deep depression that I had no idea about until I started going to therapy. Right. And then that's when the therapist helped me, you know, figure it out, like. And I, it got to the point where I remember I went to therapy and I told her, I was like, everything that I had gone through with my mom, I'm like, I know this is affecting me somehow, you know, things with my dad. And I went in there and I was like, I think I'm bipolar. And mm-hmm. I think I'm bipolar. And that's just, you know, it's what I knew. It's what right. was familiar to me. Yeah. And so she helped me work through that. And she was like, you're not, but you know, let's work through this because you have a, you know, all these years of trauma that you have to work through and it's just all hitting you. That was that, right? And so I, I went to therapy. Um, I recently stopped maybe like a year or two ago. Nice. Um, but the years that I did go helped me tremendously. Like I remember, what are we, um, 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, I started QPL 2020 and then I started advocating in 2019. So it must have been like 2017 that I could not be here speaking to you expressing myself the way i am to you Mm. because i just could not talk about it and not that i would get choked up or that i you know i i couldn't express it or it was that i couldn't express it but i just could not um i didn't know how to put it into words like i was so numb that was my mechanism as the oldest it was just like it's happening it's happening again okay you know like unfortunately because I was the oldest daughter and just everything I was going through, that was the way I coped growing up. It's just not knowing it, just not feeling it. And right, yeah, I could re- re- <laughs> relate to that so much to the numbing part as like the oldest daughter, um, or sometimes only the only daughter, right? Um, where you have to do all the work and not say anything back, don't complain or whatever, because we compare ourselves to our parents and their struggles. And it's kind of like, what do I have to be stressing about? But in reality, there's also so much trauma growing up first gen, oldest. Was your mom born here? No, she was born in El Salvador. And were they navigating her mental health over there? So she came when she was about four. Oh, so it, okay. Yeah, so she was pretty much raised here. Uh, but she was born there. And it was when she was about 10 that over here that they learned about it. Yeah. Wow. I I just imagine like already in the United States, I feel like it was already taboo. And then in our culture, it's like 10 times that just your grandma navigating all that by herself. I'm assuming, you know, maybe with her partner, but like, those are like rough times I'm imagining. Yeah, definitely rough times. We talk about it often, um, especially with the nonprofit because she's uh, always giving me ideas and stuff. Oh, and um, nice. yes so when she she worked in the healthcare field oh. um so again she was able to connect my mom to the clinical services right so when she came from El Salvador my grandmother she started from like cleaning and she ended up working her way to becoming an LPN and wow, so she that's amazing <laughs> yeah yeah so she was able to um learn right and like just educate herself 
on the clinical side. But as we know, right, like clinicals, clinical, but then if you don't have the support services to help, yeah. you, you may be able to manage, right? But it's especially, I mean, back then, yeah. definitely tough. But she was navigating it alongside uh, my grandfather and also my mom's sibling. So my mom's one of five. Oh, wow. Interesting, right? Because I hear different stories from like my grandmother, <laughs> my tia, my yeah. uncle, uh, my dad. I mean, forgot about it. But <laughs> we talk about it now and like we just reflect on like things that we've gone through and what we know now, right? And how far we've come just as a family. Yeah. And definitely tough, right? But I feel like, again, like the more knowledgeable we became about what was going on, the more empowered we felt as a family, like both my immediate family and then, you know, my grandmother, my tias, my cousins, having that little bit of knowledge and starting that conversation that has gone a long way. Your mom's very lucky to have all of you guys, honestly. How is she doing now? She's doing great. Yeah, for the past three years, I want to say um, she's been stable. Like she hasn't had an episode. Um, she hasn't been admitted to the hospital. And a lot of that, you know, she tells me and, you know, I know it's because of what we're doing with QPL. Like she's at, she's with me at all our community events. Oh, she's nice. always, yeah, she's always helping out. Um, and I think her realizing that the experiences that we went through as a family and more importantly, her, though, in, and, you know, she's, she's um, apologized to me and like, yeah. She, she feels sorry, right, for things that she's done. But again, as a result of her illness, so I don't take it as an apology, right? Like, I'm just like, mom, no, you know, like, these are things that happen. And here we are, right? We're, we're doing better for our community now. And so that's sort of like the relationship now. And she's, I mean, she's doing good. I think that all of us in the community, knowing that we're having this conversation together and that we're creating this safe space, I think that helps her feel like, I'm not alone. You know, we're in this together. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's not just her. It's not just her. So Yeah, I, I imagine like in the cultura, like you feel even more alone because you're not allowed to talk about it, even if you have something. It's every everything's hush hush, like what stays behind closed doors, stays behind closed doors. But I'm really glad that we're able to talk about it now. She sees that she's not alone. Um, but I do want to talk more about your nonprofit. What are some things that you guys started doing and are doing now how's it going we have a few things going on so primarily we focus on community outreach so like i said we started in 2020 height of the pandemic it was not planned <laughs> to, to launch height of the pandemic um you know because of the pandemic um i had started advocating for mental health in 2019 that's when i felt like ready to start like talking about my story and then I started to plan to formalize in 2020 and because of the pandemic, right, which was 2020 and then sort of led into 2021. And then like, I think mid 2021, things started to become a little bit, you know, more open that did slow us down a bit, mm. but also because of that, it slowed us down. But as you know, right, as a result of the pandemic, the conversation around mental health has just been elevated nationally. I mean, globally everywhere, right? What we focus on, from the beginning so 2021 and then it's what we do now is our community outreach so going into the community going into areas in our community that are typically not outreached and we provide resources activities education awareness on mental health and the way that we do this is through 
La Cultura. Last month, we had an event, July 15th, called Moves for Mental Health. And this was the second annual event that we've had uh, called Moves for Mental Health. But we've had an event every July. Um, so the past three years, which is BIPOC Mental Health Month. Mm. And um, we've also had different events, right? But this event in specific focuses on movement for mental health by making the connection between the mind and the body. And so we do this through different activities. So we had um, one of the local running groups. We had participate who encouraged running, right? We had Zumba, we had salsa dancing. Um, we had one of the local um, boxing studios, which came out and encouraged it. Um, you know, movement through boxing and everything that they offer. And then outside of that, we provided different community resources. So we had over 18 organizations participate. We had our local YMCA who provided free food. Uh, the idea is to create awareness through the day-to-day -day things, right, that we're already doing. So through running, right, that's something that anyone can, without any resources, without any money, right, could just go for a run right by working on that physical component of your health you're also working on your mental health and so we're making the bridge and the connection between those two things so one is our community outreach outside of the events that we host we also table at various events where we're able to spread awareness to different activities whether it be breathing exercises um we have like this spin wheel which we like um change up every event but like we'll do things like positive affirmations and build in parts of our programming um, depending on like what the goal is at each event so that's one component is our community outreach and um for us it's been one of the components that we worked on the most specifically because in our community right folks here mental health or like mental health nonprofit. oh i'm not crazy Right. I don't have mental health. Yeah. But we all have mental health, you know? So that's how we start to like open up the conversation. And at each event, we're planting the seed. And then, you know, over the past three years, it's been like, oh, okay. I know who you are. We know who nice. you are. Okay. And then it, we start to build that community. And that's how um, we've been able to grow, right? And, and build a community that we've nurtured. That's one component. And then we have our programming which is we have two workshops. So we have a workshop that's geared towards the youth. And then we have a series of workshops geared towards adults. So our youth workshop is called the wave workshop. And this is a framework that we developed that is for teens uh, specifically to identify and process their emotion. And the wave, it stands on um, the basis of our programming and our three pillars. And so community conversations, culture. So what we encourage students to do through this program is to use storytelling as a way to express themselves. And then once they go through this program, and this is a new addition that we are going to launch um, in September, once they've gone through this program, we're going to help them utilize this storytelling skill, right? Storytelling, public speaking skill to monetize and use this as a job skill because we know that nowadays want to create content yeah they want to monetize <laughs> their content yeah. so you know we're bridging the conversation on mental health content creation and helping them exceed in life right because not everyone can afford college not everyone wants to go to college right and i think especially nowadays with technology there are just so many other options 
Yeah. And I think entrepreneurship is one that a lot of teens in our area, and I think probably nationally, right, are into. And then we have our Paso a Paso workshop, which is for adults. And this we do, we have different themes. So we've done Paso a Paso Zumba, where again, we bridge the connection between the mind and the body. And then we have uh, different workshops for like parents, caregivers, and then we have different topics within that. That's awesome. Thank Do you, you plan to um, expand out of Yonkers? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. exciting. Yes, we do. So we had a meeting last week for like other parts of Westchester. And we also service, um, like while we're based in Yonkers, uh, we have worked with clients who are outside of Yonkers. Mm-hmm. So like in other parts of Westchester, Yonkers is here and the Bronx is like right here. So like folks have been like trying to get us to move into the Bronx and oh. so we're excited for that and like you know the city's right there so like Yonkers is, re- is like 20 minutes away from the city and close to like northern Westchester northern like New York mm-hmm. so we're like in between definitely plan to um, scale and expand in the next year or so oh exciting um, and how can people help if they're not in Yonkers or in the area we're going to be launching in the next few months a um, social media initiative where we want to encourage folks to help us um, through advocacy. So simply by just using social media to encourage fossils for mental health. Mm-hmm. So like in the day to day, just acknowledging, right, those fossils for mental health, whether it be, you know, going for a walk, like I said, right, whether you're journaling, whether wh- whatever it is that you do day-to-day that helps your mental health. So we're going to start a social media initiative around that. Okay. All right. I love all that you do. Exciting. I'm going to wrap up the interview, but if you could leave a piece of advice for anyone listening, what would it be? My number one thing, which rings true to me, and I like embody this, and I encourage anyone out there to embody this, is to truly live an authentic life. And what do I mean by that? I mean, being you in the truest form. Only you can be you. There can be a million people out there doing whatever it is that you may want to do. But only you lived your life. Only you walked your path. And so go out there and show up as you every single day. And truly the rest will follow. And I've seen that manifest in my life. I wasn't always that way, right? Because like I said, growing up, trying to figure out my identity and who I was. Once I realized that all I had to do was be me, show up as me, regardless of what everyone else is showing up as, you show up as you and you'll be okay. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Journey with Death. Thank you for listening to this episode with Maria. I hope you learned so much. If you have any questions, Please, if you're on YouTube, comment down below. If you're listening on podcasts anywhere, please give us a five-star rating. It means the world to me. Like and subscribe, follow, do whatever you need to do to show your support. I appreciate you being here. I hope you learned something new. Stay tuned for next week. Bye.